0: Today, we're talking with Julia Wells, a business coach who focuses on pleasure, mindset, and doing the hard things in your business without burning out. Julia had a lot to share with us about her journey, from knowing how to work with a team by truly knowing the individuals, to learning how to hold yourself through the moments when things get really hard. I hope you'll find something here to support you on your journey as Julia shares what she'd tell herself from where she is today. Welcome to season two of I'd Tell Myself. This season, we're doing something a little different and diving in with a twist. All of our guests this season are entrepreneurs. We'll speak with five amazing individuals who have started and are successfully running their own businesses to learn about their journeys and to share some of the lessons that they've learned along the way. I'm your host, Danielle Frankel. I've long believed that there are many ways to learn the important lessons in life. And while some lessons are only gained through personal experience, Others can be learned less painfully from those ahead of us on their journey. I hope you'll find something here to support you as we ask these individuals what they tell themselves from where they now sit. Welcome and thanks for joining us. All right, so to kick off this um, episode, maybe can we just do a few fast facts for our listeners? What's your name? What's your business?
1: My name is Julia Wells. Um, We have explicit versions of that, but we won't say them on the podcast. We will put those in the show notes. My business (laughs) is named after me. But fun fact, if people don't know, the legal name is Conscious Compass LLC. That was, we can get into that zig and zag at some point in today's episode. So sometimes my partner will see mail come here and he's like, oh, mail for Conscious Compass. I was like, that's not me anymore. Like, we don't say that here. <laughs> it feels so wrong, but yes, that is the name. Um, And sometimes I think clients see it on payments and they're like, what is this? That's another well, fun. fun fact, anything. Else? So what is your business? What do you do? Oh, business coaching. And I have a pleasure centric approach where I really like bus- running your own company is hard period. <laughs> and uh, my focus is just, how can we bring the fun into it? How can we bring the pleasure into it? The power of you tapping into your pleasure in a more embodied way. We can get into that deeper if you want to, but this way of like, how am I going to use my own fuel of pleasure to sustain doing hard thing after hard thing after hard thing in entrepreneurship? Nice. So, you know,
0: very different from the hustle and grind, uh, themes that yeah. we okay.
1: Anti-hustle regular, and, and die. yeah, we are pro do hard things. There's no yeah. way around that, but it's the trying to take out the hustle culture mentality of just like the way to success is to burn yourself out, period. Cause I don't like that. I
0: I'm a I fan of not that. burning out. <laughs> I'm here for that. So just to calibrate for listeners, because you know, as we know, there is a huge universe of people who identify themselves as coaches and um wide variety of different arenas. Your your business has grown considerably over the last few years. And I know you offer a number of different programs. You yeah. like ballpark, like how many people are, are coming through your programs? And um, are you sort of supporting on a
1: yearly basis at this point? If you count not free things, I would say probably in the ballpark of three to 500. And if you add like free events and workshops that we run you're looking at more like a couple thousand people but and I have a very small audience but a very like high highly engaged high converting audience too for context yeah
0: mm-hmm. and you're using a bunch of different social platforms at this point to do that right I know you're yes. in the process of <laughs> it seems you're making some shifts but t- you, we do many you things
1: a- yes yeah and Over the years, it's looked. There's been different seasons where we focus on different things, but definitely people come in through our email list, our IG channel, Facebook, which is my personal page and a Facebook group I recently shut down, and a newly started TikTok and my podcast. We'll put all the links to all those places in the show notes for anybody who's curious. You can come watch me humble myself on
0: TikTok. There you go. Um, when you say that you have a small audience, though, again, just to calibrate that for listeners, what does that mean to you? What does that look like?
1: Yeah. So we do around a million dollars in revenue, gross revenue, which for most people in the industry would mean they would have tens of thousands, at least if not hundreds of thousands of people in their audience. I would say we have under 5,000 people in our audience across all your platforms. Yeah. And like, it's hard because there's so much overlap, but I think our email list at most is like, there's duplicates, but I think the like core number is under 3000. The Facebook group was 5,500. hygiene because I keep getting deleted is under a thousand. And then my personal Facebook page, I actually saw yesterday has like 8,000 followers, but I don't even know what that means on Facebook. Uh, that's probably just full of a bunch of gunk, but I guess if we, now that I see it, I have to, I'll say that so that people can be like, that counts. That's the thing. And 395 on TikTok. (laughs) Counting each one on the growing platform. Yeah.
0: Okay, so let's take a step back. The details are helpful in the context of like entrepreneurship and how big is your business and what does it mean to be successful in the industry that you're in? Um, But is this always the work that you wanted to do? Did you always see yourself being a sort of pleasure-based business?
1: (laughs) No, not at all. Didn't know that was a thing. I think I always knew I wanted to help people. That was like a very vague thing, but some sort of being of service was important to me. However, even like in a corporate space or anything else I'd be doing, it was always like people centric. Like that is my thing. Relationships, human service, period. But yeah, I didn't know the coaching world existed for the longest time once I got into it. The pleasure thing, especially in business, did not exist. I literally created this um, type of business and and have dramatically shifted the coaching industry in a lot of ways, especially on the business coaching side. Um, Obviously, there's been sex, love, and relationship coaches and all, all that, but I didn't see anyone doing the flavor I was doing inside of business. Which is why it had to be born. But no, I never saw this coming in a million years. But of course, now that I'm here, all of us can look at it and be like, "Haha, this makes so much sense for her. Yes. I love, <laughs> I
0: love it when you get to that spot and then you look back and you're like, oh yeah, I can see how all those seemingly random yep. dots connected to make this be exactly where I belong today. Yes. Um, very random dots. Yes. So let's go back to a few of those random dots. Yeah. Right. What did you think you wanted to do work-wise when you were, I don't know, high school, college? Like what was your, your initial vision was your work?
1: I. That's such a good question. I'm like, did I have a vision? I was never one of those, like, I know what I'm going to do with my life. I think I terrified my parents and they're like, is she even going to go to college? Like, What's happening? I think I was more like, can I do trade school? Maybe I'll be a chef. Maybe I'll do hair. Like I had no idea what I wanted to do. I really do love working. I think that was one thing that gave me an edge of like, I don't know that I want to go to school and just keep studying. I'd rather get my hands into work as fast as possible. So that was always like a little bit of a trade-off for me of trying to figure that piece out. As like a kid, I think I wanted to be an astronaut or something, but I knew I was never going that, that route. Um, Yeah, and in high school, so I I graduated high school early to do a semester at sea. On do you know this about me? Oh, I do not fact. know this okay. about you. I graduated high school early. I left my so spring semester of my senior year. I flew to Tanzania. I got on a boat with 48 other high school and college students, and we sailed from Tanzania around the Cape of Good Hope across to Brazil, all the way up the Caribbean Eastern seaboard into Canada. So for six months, I was a full-time student, full-time crew member. I got, I don't even know how many countries we visited, but you're at school every day at sea, but you're also working and then have to live in a room with three other hormonal teenagers (laughs) and a boat full of them with very strict rules. Um, that shaped me very dramatically, but it also threw me cause you know, I had this unique experience at the end of high school and then came home. Cause I didn't do the typical, like everyone's applying for colleges and figuring out what they're doing. And I came home and started working for a year and was just trying to figure out what to do. And, um, then that's a whole other weird dots, but mostly retail and just spending a year trying to figure out how to get myself to college. Cause that was very important to my parents. Was it important to you? No, I was team get it. my dad was clear about this, like get a degree to get a degree. He's like, obviously, ideally so many connections are made in college. If I now being me in hindsight, yes, I probably would have picked slightly better academic landscape, <laughs> but I was like, give me the funnest, easiest <laughs> I can get through this as fast as possible landscape because to some extent, a degree, an undergraduate degree is a degree. Like most jobs just require a degree. And he was like, just get that, like at least set yourself up to have the degree. And then you can go to trade school. You can figure out if you need to go to grad school, you can just go start working, do whatever you want to do. But like, give, he never graduated college. So he was like, give this to yourself. That's very important. So Off, I went to Georgia Southern University where I was on the honor roll (laughs) every semester and graduated with honors, which I'm not, again, like I'm smart, but I'm not someone who applies themselves academically. It it just wasn't my thing. So, I mean, it sounds like it worked out pretty well there, academically speaking, at least. It worked out. I remember when they came in to give me, like, to announce I was on whatever dean's list or president's list or something I literally thought like the police were coming in for me and I was getting in trouble like there must have just been something going on in my life that was chaotic at the time and I was like oh my god oh my god they're calling me out in class like I'm in so much trouble and they're like we just want to announce that you're on the honors list and I died of embarrassment because I think everyone in my class would have never expected that so that's me (laughs) hi I'm more about living life than I am about school and grades. But And yet you do both. I do both. It's just you like, both, yeah. I will work hard. I'm the person that's like, tell me the pieces of the system I need to understand to navigate this well yeah. so that I can progress and do what I need to do. But mostly so that I can find the loopholes to work and have fun and play and do all of it together. It
0: totally makes sense how that eventually fits into what you're doing now. <laughs> Um, I have to ask 100%. though, before we keep going forward, like you lived on a boat for six months. What, what did you have to do on the boat for work? Like
1: what, oh, what we might way. like. Okay. We'll try to, I don't know if I can put this in the show notes, but I'll find a way. It sink literally Pirates of the Caribbean looking sail, sh- sailing ship. And like, this is a, a boat with multiple huge sails. You get on as a student, you're not allowed to get off until you can memorize all 108 ropes and what they do lines you have to run safety drill after safety drill so like at sea they're literally like you'll be in class typing away on your laptop the boat's kind of sideways and they're like all hands on deck and you got to run out there and they're like okay hoist the sail whatever and you're just like okay here i go line up let's pull on some ropes and then two hours a day, you have to scrub, clean, paint, rust bust. like you are child labor. <laughs> but you signed um, up
0: for this. This is the experience you wanted.
1: <laughs> I mean, some of it I got. This is also a very Julia thing. I didn't ask questions really. Like, I'm just kind of like a whatever. It's a few months. You won't die. Like, it's fun. My dad had told me about the program. I was like, there's no way I'm leaving my senior year, leaving all my friends. And he was like, whatever, you probably won't get in. Just like apply. <laughs> I was like, okay, thanks. All right. He, he knows how to motivate me. He was not being mean. I have the most supportive family. Um, and of course I got in and then I was like, okay, I'm going. I had no idea what I was getting. <laughs> like absolutely none. I showed up and I was like, what in the world did I sign up for? It was It was a rude awakening, but it was exactly what I needed. But yeah, so then you have two hours of night watch where you have to wake up like in different shifts. So it could be for a month you have to wake up from like midnight to 2 a.m., 2 a.m. to 4 a.m. And you literally stand watch and steer the ship and make sure there are no pirates and floating containers in the sea that we're going to hit. And you have to do galley duty and cook for everyone once a week. And so, yeah, that was sounds like a pretty intense experience so intense fun fact the ship sunk five years after I was on it everyone <sighs> got off five, which okay. tells you how psychotic we were about safety and our drills we ran them all the time for a turns out that's a good thing turns out recently at one of my apartment complexes a few years ago a fire the fire alarm went off in the middle of the night and it was so chaotic and I literally was like listen you need to run safety drills if something real happens this is how people survive <laughs> He was like, it's not that serious. I was like, no, but it is. Um, But yeah, it was so intense. So every day at sea, that's your life. But then when you're in port, you have to be in, with a group of humans. So you have to learn how to navigate things together, have these hard conversations, negotiate compromise, also get yourself to safe places. Sometimes we were in sketchy ports and there was extra safety rules, but you can do whatever you want in port besides party because that was not allowed and if they find you you are in big trouble. Um but yeah so like just taught me so many skills of of being able to work with any type of human like you literally have to survive by getting along with everybody in a small quarter for days and weeks at sea while we're like puking on each other and navigating being 16 17 18 year olds amazing. Mm-hmm. that's amazing okay <laughs> so you had this incredibly formative experience and then
0: you went off to college and made the dean's list and the honor <laughs> roll somehow and then what did you do
1: in rural south Georgia <clears throat> so I, yeah I and took you, a- I you grew up in New England right I grew up in yeah I grew up in Amherst Massachusetts like most liberal little bubble very academic like my hometown is like under 2,000 people but I think it's the most Educated per capita or something like that. Like everyone there is college professors. So I come from this like cute little liberal little bubble. I moved to rural Georgia, have a whole different experience. Like day one, I was calling my mom, like, oh my God, I cannot live in the South. We gotta go. And I made it three and a half years somehow. I did drop out once (laughs) and moved to Argentina for a semester. it's a big um,
0: move
1: yep my sister and I just decided to spend our summer getting certified to teach English and then we moved to Argentina to try to teach English with no plan and couldn't get a job so we just volunteered and traveled until we ran out of money this is my life
0: I mean sounds
1: like an amazing experience <laughs> what'd you I... learn in Argentina oh my gosh so many things how to not murder my sister being one of them. <laughs> we are the most important humans. She also did the ship. Um, Great life skills. Yeah. We had a great time traveling and enjoying ourselves in Argentina, but it was not the most productive, I guess. I don't know. Um, But yeah. So in between the boat and college, I took a year off and I worked in retail and I worked my way up In retail. So that was kind of my first taste of leadership and management positions. It was also my first taste of bad leadership and management. Um, In a way, it was like, oh, okay, so we don't control with force. Interesting. Noted. Like, building relationships is how you get people to do the things that need to get done. Um, so that was really helpful. And actually like, I think informs a lot of the later things that I did. So after I graduated from Georgia Southern, it was 2010. So like a little bit post recession-y and everyone was trying to figure out what to do. I of course was like, well, I shall move to California. Finally, this is my, this is really my only dream. And my dad, bless him. He's like, well, just go to the career fair and just practice applying for jobs. Like, who knows? It's a recession. You might not get one, but just humor me a little. And I was like, okay, whatever. Gosh, he really, he knows exactly how to play you, huh? It's so annoying. And I'm also so competitive. So I'm like, like fine. Like, don't tell me I'm going to suck at this. Like, go get a, a sweet little go through the whole interview process at Geico for their management training program, get a job offer in Macon, Georgia. And I was like, no, no, no. Like we're supposed to be moving to California. And through talking to many wise adults, they were like, you should take the job and just see, just get my dad's thing is like, give it one year, just give it a year. And you can always quit. What's a year. It's fine. Get that on your resume. So I convinced the people in Macon, Georgia that I would love to live there and work at a huge regional call center. I think like 5,000 people. They're like, so you travel the world and you live on boats and you do these cool things and you want to come here? And I was like, "Mm -hmm, yeah, mm -hmm, I do. So unsurprisingly, that wasn't for me (laughs) in every way. I'm so shocked to hear that just blown away very very successful but I was so unhappy which is how I actually got into the coaching industry so because I was working there and just miserable and also Georgia and the way that people eat and culture is just was different than how I grew up in kale and tofu land of Massachusetts I had to learn how to take care of my health. It was terrible after college. And so I found the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, which was like a gateway drug into the coaching industry for like so many people. If you track them back, they started there. It was a joke of a coach training, but it showed me all these other places that I was like, oh, wait, this is a career path. Like you have location independence, time freedom. You can talk about whatever you want. You get to use social media, which also I'd been doing a lot of through my own personal fitness journey. I was like really big into this one community. So I was learning how to build relationships on Twitter and Instagram and posting and sharing my life. And I was like, I would like more of this, please. Like whatever this is, I don't get it. So anyways, I also continue to work very hard at Geico because i that's what i do and got all my promotions then i was able to get them to transfer me to san diego so i was like california yes i've made, you made it. it um i get put on a 3 to midnight shift my days off are like tuesday sunday I moved to the most fun party neighborhood of San Diego. My roommate is sober. She's still down to go out, but like my roommate's sober. I have no good days off. and I'm just like working in a call center, managing a a team of people from three to midnight. And it, it was awful, but I did a really good job. We can break down some of like, again, why. And I think all these same skills come back of like, I just treated my people like humans and I was really kind to them and figured out what motivated them and had fun and I turned around all the underperformers, and everyone thought it was mind blowing. And I just thought that was obvious. So that tells you <laughs> part of the the skill set. I and love when speak my leadership language. I know. <laughs> I'm so happy. Yeah. Treat people reasonably, like human like beings. People. It's they're like, how did you get him to turn around his numbers? I was like, I don't know. I sat and talked to him. I didn't write him off like everyone else did. Wild. I know. But yeah. So then I had. I was only in. I was in San Diego for eight months. They opened a new office in Texas. And I told myself, I will apply for the job because because I came out of this management training program, everyone's always watching you and telling you, like, here's the next thing to do for your fast tracking your career. So they were like, apply. I'm applying for a promotion. I had no business, technically not qualified. So everyone's like, you're not going to get it. So I was like, OK, in my head, if I get the promotion, I'll go to Texas seemed like that would never happen. And if I don't, I'm going to consider either quitting or at least starting my business on the coaching business on the side, get the promotion, move to Texas, <laughs> make it eight months. Everyone is miserable. It's all the, the like rising stars of the company that are like in my next promotion, then I'll have a life. Then I'll be happy. Then I'll make more money. And then I'll be able to take vacations and days off and da da da, da. And I, Everyone was saying it at every level. And I was like, no, mm-mm, I can, I, I forecasting. Yep, nope. I know exactly where I'm going if I stay here. And a friend who'd also done IAN, she was a health uh, a nurse, and she was like, let's just quit our jobs and become health coaches. I still had no idea what this meant. I tell my dad, hey, I'm going to start my own business. He's a serial entrepreneur. He's like, <laughs> okay tell me more. And I was like, I don't know. I'm just going to like quit and move back to California and figure this out. And I did jump ship. It took me many years to figure it out, just like my dad said. Um, But I did stick with it because I'm stubborn and I wanted what was on the other side enough. But that is a little bit how my weird dots lead led me to where we are today. And then there's more dots within the nine years I've been doing that since I left Geico. Yeah. Cause you, you started as a health coach, right? Health like coach. Said, I got my first client. Right. I was like, I hate this. <laughs> I don't like this at all. And there's like, obviously space to go, but I was like, let me get back into like more of the leadership side of things. So for a long time, it was like leadership. I was scared to be the business side of things because I knew social media, but not all the intricacies of the internet space. I did it long enough to figure out like, okay, I know how to do this. This is fine. And then the pleasure, I did a sex, love and relationship coach training because I knew I needed to bring in what I was seeing with marketing and visibility work that I was doing is everyone had deeper wounds that came from body, sexuality, all the conditioning of being a woman, being seen, taking up space, selling yourself as the product and offering and I was like, this is going so deep. Like this is above a lot of it, how to do with trauma and different stuff. And so someone told me about this really intense um, coach training and that's what I did. Cause I was like, I gotta go deeper into why we're not showing up, why everything feels so intense for us.
0: Hey, if you're enjoying the show, please make sure to subscribe and join our community at com for updates and info. That's com. Okay, back to the show. It's so interesting because it, you know, the story sort of like your story has these sort of parallel tracks almost, right? Where you're like clearly following what interests you, right? Yeah. Like you clearly lean in when something interests you and you're like, let me learn more about that. Let me check it out. Like I don't need a ton of information, like if something's calling to me, let me just dive in, right? And like you stuck with the business route for a while. You stuck with the you know traditional career. But even when you left a traditional career, you didn't shift the bit, your business, right. To overlap with that, like where your passions were calling you for a long time, Mm -hmm. right. You stuck with the health coaching and then the, you know, other aspects of that, right. Before you were willing to own it as your own thing too.
1: Yeah. So I was doing for a long time. I think I was maybe calling myself leadership coach at the time. I don't even know. But I was doing like social media and marketing audits for people on the side for fun. But I didn't feel like I could bring it into my business, which now is like a core piece of what I help everyone do. And it's so fun to look back at like one of my current business coaches, my someone that works on my team, like they're all people I did these audits for like seven, eight, nine years ago. But I was too scared to own the business side of things because I had went to a health coach training. That's what I did. So what do you think changed for you? At what, at what part (laughs) to get, um, make money coaching finally?
0: Well, yeah. So let's fill in maybe a few of those dots then. So you started with the health coaching and then you did this sex, love, and relationship training, but you were still health coaching and then started doing some of this like social media business type coaching on the side.
1: I'd been doing like, yeah, I had merged it more into like leadership. Like what are your strengths? How do we lead with them? I'm trying to remember like, what's your why big vision stuff, just like a lot more on the leadership side, which was fun, but it was always missing. Like, I like the grittiness of business and the, especially the marketing side of it to me is because of social media. Like I had learned how to use social media in a way that most people didn't realize, like everyone's talking about it's fake, it's showy, it's, surface level. And I was over here like, I've made some of my best friends through social media, like in the weirdest ways, in cool ways. But I was like, I'm using social media to share my transformation journey. I'm using it to connect with people around really vulnerable things that we're going through, building genuine relationships. So I was like a little bit confused when I got into the coaching space and it was about like the more digital marketing and showy, whatever. And I was like, oh, we're missing this whole, I just didn't realize you could, that could be a thing you monetize and teach on. So what made
0: you start to make that shift for yourself then? Right. Like you didn't realize it was a thing that you could monetize and teach on. And yet you were somehow also doing it it at the same time (laughs) for free. Yes, yes, of course. Which I happen to know is not something that you tell your Coaches to do essentially. Um, so what, it's what helped you? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I got, I got a lot of support and a lot of coaching around really drilling into like, what is the Julia way of doing this? Cause I was like, I'm clear. I, I want a business. I want to serve people. I want to do the things that come with all of that. I just like hadn't quite found my way. Like I was very much in a like, okay, this is working over here. Let me try that. Let me try someone's way. And I got a great coach who was like, let's find the Julia way of doing this. Like, what is that? What if you could bring all those pieces together and build your brand and business around that, around just being yourself and doing those pieces you love to do? What does that look like? And there were some iterations for sure of figuring that out. But at one point it just, it clicked in. I was, you know, the way that I was living and doing life and business, just like, this is what I want to show other people. And everyone around me watching was like, you can do business like that. Like I would roll out of bed and get on a live stream. I would do my social media from bed. I would do it in a hot tub. I would be sharing, you know, and th- again, this is for like my section of people, not everyone would be like, wow, that's how you should do marketing. But it was, there was this level of ease, this level of trust and confidence and using marketing channels as an authentic way to relate and connect to people. And get out of the performance and get out of the like, here's how I need to package myself to be consumed. And when I saw everyone respond to it, I was like, oh, I could teach you this. And most of it, ironically, is unlearning the things we've learned. But, you know, being able to take people through that process in every area of their business. And here we are.
0: Yeah, it's funny you, when you describe the work that you do, right? About um, pleasure and getting, you know, acknowledging that we have to do the hard stuff, but figuring out ways to do it that don't burn us out, right? Um, I th- I feel like what doesn't get encapsulated in that is that the the approach that you take, like there is this very unique aspect that you brought to it, right? Which is really about the unpolishing, right? And oh. it works for your audience, right? Admittedly, it doesn't work for every audience, but yeah. like Whatever the way that they- you accomplish what you've accomplished in part is by actually just really sharing a lot of yourself. Um, But honestly, without, you know, without scripting it, without making it formal, without making sure that everything's polished, right? You, you do exactly with your audience, what you described doing in the call centers, right? Which is that you treat the people who are receiving your message as human, but you show up with your own humanity too.
1: Yep. 100%. And I think that's something I learned I mean, when I, so I was 18, I was running a a $9 million a year forever 21, which if we know retail, that is like the worst place you could ever work. The stores are chaotic. The churn rate is for employees are insane just they have the worst return policy. So you're just getting yelled at 24 seven and I'm 18 running. I don't even know how big our team was, but basically everyone above me, like I think I was assistant manager, but the co-manager, the store managers, they were quitting at the most insane rates. And I'm just hanging in there like, this is fun for me. Like I don't get every part of it, but I get how to motivate my team and I get how to get them to enjoy their job. So they keep showing up. But it wasn't by telling them what to do. Like that was the number one thing I saw back then is like, you can't just tell people you have to do this because I said so. It just, it will never work. You have to figure out what drives them, what motivates them, like what's going to make them want to show up to work and do their job today. And also not just show up and put it in fake work. So That has always carried with me. Like I always figure out like what is going to drive and motivate someone. And again, for my people in the coaching space, it is that they want to be authentic. They don't want to wear the masks. They don't want the scripted, polished. Everything has to be perfect. Now they're doing it. They've been trained to do it. And that's how they've probably fit in and and survived in different spaces. But the appeal, right, all of us, it's what we do all of us want that. Like, Oh, could I just like breathe a little and be myself and have room to make an error and have eyes on me, but not have to be perfect 24 seven.
0: A lot of what you do, I mean, in your marketing, but in the rest of your business as well, right. Is, is lead by example, right. That's fundamentally what you're describing. Right. And it's how you end up making sales, right. People watch you be authentically messily, like whoever you are for however long. And then they're like, okay, well, maybe there's something to this and maybe I'll (laughs) buy whatever program she's got. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Not disappearing. This seems to be working. Um, How have you found building in the other lessons, right? You talked about all the lessons that you learned along, along the way, right? Like um, how to motivate, excuse me, how to motivate people when you were in the call centers and Mm -hmm. um, you know, different lessons on leadership. I'd love to hear how you how you pick that stuff up and sort of what you came up with and then yeah. how you blend that into what you teach now.
1: Yeah. I mean, a lot of it is definitely trial and error of figuring out, especially when you have so many clients, it's just different for everyone. So being able to sit and be like, okay, like for my super perfectionist types that come to me, what does this look like? Okay. For my loosey goosey don't really want to work types, like what's going to work here. But it is just a like a studying of people and and what is going to drive and motivate them and what works for them. And I think that's ever evolving and shifting. But I find that part of it so fun. Like I feel like how I lead and how I teach and everything is constantly getting adapted and evolving versus I think what we've seen a lot in the online space is people are like, here's my way. Do it this way. If you can't fit into the mold, then something's wrong with you. And it works until it doesn't work. And so I've just made it like this. What I do is just constantly studying like, okay, like it's not going to work for everyone. It's going to work in different variables and times and da, 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 But really being like, okay, like what are the core things that motivate humans, make people enjoy their work? Because again, like doing this online is tough for so many different reasons, but the landscape is shifting all the time. The trends are shifting so fast and to be able to keep up with it, but still keep to the core pieces underneath of like, okay, like you got deleted off Instagram, go do the same exact thing over here or bring this here and be able to keep up. And I also think like something we haven't talked about in here is, is the mindset piece that I do as well. And some of the embodiment work of being able to Hold yourself in all of these hard things. So, like self leadership, being able to show up for that and learning, like, again, through the different things that I've done in different careers, is that is so important is like the beliefs that someone has about their work, their audience, the people leading them, how they're willing to show up. Can they stay calm? (laughs) Like, here's a call center and a Forever 21 lesson. So Forever 21 would be people were so upset that they couldn't get their money back. It was a a store credit or exchange only type policy. And so people would be so angry. And then in Geico, I worked on the claim side of things. So you're only getting people that have been in car accidents. They're obviously not happy. (laughs) And then in supervision, you're getting people that are not happy that their, their rep couldn't get them a car fast enough, or there's a delay on a repair or not enough money or whatever the thing is. But being able to be like, how do I stay calm when someone is upset or they don't like the decision you've made or whatever? But that comes into so much of the work that we're doing on social media because I'm teaching people to have authentic brands where they're sharing their stories, they're sharing their beliefs, they're sharing their values, and not everyone is going to like that at all. And so how do you hold yourself in those moments where someone is really upset with you or you're doing something that's really vulnerable and holding a line that's important to you. So all of those things, like, you know, you would never think the dots were connecting, but it's like practice of just being like, it's okay if you don't like how I do this. But also I'm not gonna shove stuff down your throat. Like,
0: no, it's great. And it's really, I think it's a really important distinction when we say that you're a business coach, right? Because you are not a business coach in the sense of like, Let me tell you the six steps to build your model of whatever your business is, right? You have clients who do all kinds of different work (laughs) in the world. And what you do is help them fundamentally build themselves, right? And hold themselves in a way that allows them to do whatever their business is from a healthier place.
1: That was one of the hardest things in corporate. I'm just thinking about times that go where they're like, okay, like, this is the thing you have to, here's the script you have to say to get someone to do what you want them to do and move them through this process. And I'm like, this is so ineffective. Like, it works for some people who that script is natural to, but for the rest of my team, that would be like, I can't. No, like this doesn't work for me. There was no, I mean, technically, there was not a lot of allowance. Like, if they got their calls monitored, they would be dinged, but they would have happier customers and they would enjoy their job more if there was flexibility of like, let me sit with you and figure out how to do this your way. Let me sit with you and figure out what tweaks. Yeah, we want the same end result. But let's talk about how we're going to get you there in a way that works for you. And it's the same with business. Like, yes, you want clients, you want customers, you want a certain outcome in your marketing or whatever that looks like. But let's actually figure out how this works for you versus here's the thing to say, step one, step two, step three, like anyone can give you a script to close a sale technically, but does it work? Can you hold it? No, no, exactly. Like, where do you get bored or where do you freak out? Because this is like the intense part of the conversation where there's a decision to hold someone through or whatever that thing is. So that always shows up for me of like, okay, yes, like there's nothing revolutionary about what I'm teaching in sales and marketing. It's, I mean, in terms of the like what you do, but the way that I approach it, that is what's pretty radical in that it's not formulaic and it's not scripted and it still works. Yeah. So
0: let's just like travel back through a little bit of the time window after you kicked off deciding that you wanted to be a coach, because I know that there is a (laughs) bunch of stuff that happened in there and we've sort of collapsed that window. But my guess is that you've got some pretty important lessons to share. And I'd love to ask you a bit more about that. Um, So like big picture, From the point at which you left Geico and decided that you were going to do this and your dad laughed in your face and (laughs) totally (laughs) believed in you, but clearly knew this was going to be really hard Um, until the point where you considered yourself to have a successful business, right? What kind of a time window were we looking at?
1: Yeah, I would say it took me about four and a half years to really start making consistent money to the point I was like, I have a business, I have a brand, like I can see where this is going. the first four and a half years were a lot of just trial and error. Like, okay, let me sell a health coach package. Like, okay, didn't like that. Okay. Let me try this slight variation. Okay. Let me do a workshop on this topic. Okay. But it was like very, I was constantly changing what I was talking about. I was changing my strategy. I was just trying everything that I could, which I think is part of the process for so many people. If you don't come into the space being like, here's my exact niche. I've done this. I know, like, this is the thing we have to build in time. And the hard part is the coaching industry in the corners that I run in. But a lot of it at this point, the narrative is like, you can go zero to six figures. You can go zero to a million in like a year. So for anyone who's sitting there trying to figure out what to do, it feels And especially for someone who's been highly successful, even if I didn't love all the jobs I did, I was very successful. I had like seven promotions in three years. And then to be like, I can't even figure out how to make money. Like I can't figure out like what to do in succession that gets me where I want to be going was so defeating and so frustrating. So you're like simultaneously trying all these things, figuring out what you want to do trying not to feel like a failure every time you pivot and have to switch because there's no narrative that's like, have fun spending your first year or two (laughs) doing whatever. And again, that's not everyone's journey, but it's honestly majority of the industry is trying to figure these things out. And again, like I can be good at social media, but I was trash at sales when I first started. And it was so hard to sell myself, to sell a packet, like, all these different pieces. So I really had to learn how to put all of it together. And good old dad was like, hey, it takes most businesses three to five years to be profitable and successful and really feel like they know what they're doing. And I think it was like four and a half years was when I finally landed on the type of business coaching I w- that was like what we're doing now sold out my first round of private coaching and then everything took off from there but the first four four and a half years were brutal and most people don't make it through it for so many reasons obviously I had a lot of privilege that went into it my dad was like again my dad bless him he's like well you should go live at his his stepdad had just died and left him his childhood home he's like you should live there you're gonna be broke for a very long time have fun <laughs> unless you want to like go get a bunch of random jobs which is a choice and an option um but I had savings that I could spend an inheritance that I could spend and so and I had the fortitude right to be able to fail over and over and over and over and over, and over again. Not everyone can or wants to play that game or has to play it differently but i just want like try to normalize that for people whether you're doing it while you have a job, you're spending savings, your partner is supporting you, you have whatever miscellaneous things it is so hard to go from being very successful to feeling like you have no idea what you're doing and when it's going to work like i used, i think this story is so funny but i used to on dating apps <laughs> in this time period, people be like, what do you do? And I would just ghost them. Cause I, I like, couldn't tell someone I wasn't successful. I didn't know how to have the conversation of like, I'm starting my own business, but I don't really know what it is. And it's not very much a business. It was brutal, but here we are. I am stubborn and I kept going. Stubborn and you kept going.
0: And that's awesome. I'm, I'm, I'd really love to hear. And I I think, you know, people listening would appreciate maybe understanding better. Like, what did you do? How did you pick yourself up over and over again? Like, did you give yourself pep talks? Like, did you have a coach that you worked with to get through Mm -hmm. it? Like, what are the, how did you, you know, I know that ultimately this feeds into now some of the work that you actually do with your clients, but like, what did that look like as you were figuring it out?
1: Yeah, definitely having a coach was so important of someone to just be like, okay, I can see you have what it takes to do this, but we've got to like work through all the different pieces, being in community. So whether that was like in being in a mastermind or just having entrepreneurial friends, because the rest of my friends were like, what is Julia doing? (laughs) I think now like the side hustle life or online entrepreneur is way more common. Back then my friends were like, what in the world is she doing? the only people really doing this besides the coaches back then were like network marketers that were selling you shakes and whatever other things, oils and things. Um, so to like, be like, no, this is like a real business. Not that that's not, but you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, a lot of telling myself, like, I think the thing I would always say is like, if I see these other, and not in a demeaning way, but like, if everyone else can figure this out, there's no way I can't figure this out. Like I had that again, I've done these things that are like demanding, like living on a ship and getting through that. And like, just being able to like, go run off and like figure out how to live in Argentina for a few months by myself at whatever, I was probably 19 or 20 or something. And granted, those weren't like hardships, they were like, Privileged things to do, but I had that internal fortitude of like, I can figure stuff out. Right? I figured out retail. I figured out corporate. I figured out all these different pieces. There's no way I can't figure this out. It just might take more time. Like that really stuck with me. Of like, if everyone's figuring this out, can't be rocket science. And I wanted on the yeah, besides wanting to be an astronaut, (laughs) actually. I am a little math nerd. I'm so cute. Um, But yeah, I was just like, there's no way I'm not going to get there and I will do whatever it takes because I want, again, I wanted that level of freedom. Like I saw people that could work from anywhere on their computer and could charge whatever they wanted. They could talk about whatever they wanted on the internet. And I, based on the other career paths, I didn't see that happening in any other way. And I was like, I want that lifestyle bad enough to do whatever it takes to figure it out.
0: Yeah. So there was a lot of learning, it sounds like, just sort of over and over and over again, when things didn't necessarily work the way that you wanted. Um, Is there, you know, sort of on the flip side of that, like a time that you can point to where you made like a really big mistake, you know, like where you want the earth to open up and just swallow you whole, um, that, that was actually really, you know, painful as it may have been beneficial in the long run in terms of what you were able to learn from it?
1: In On the coaching side of things?
0: Anywhere, anywhere through the career. I mean, I assume that something like that's something that you're going to carry with you forward, so.
1: No, I was thinking about one this morning, just think about the podcast with your little note about it. And I just remember this one moment, this came up, so maybe there's, I don't know, as I say it, it will, the dots will connect more. I was working at Forever 21. I decided to go back to college. I think I maybe was back for the summer or something. And I think everyone just assumed I would stay. And I called my regional manager and told her I was quitting. But like, to me, I'm a responsible human. Like, I'm giving you weeks notice. I'm not going anywhere. But she was so upset. And she like sent people to the store to check on me. Because she thought I was just walking out and leave because that's what everyone had done. Like, they would just be like, I'm so burnt out. Here are the keys. Have a nice day. And I think it was so mind blowing in that moment to be like, oh, there are people who think of humans this way. Like, I get it. This has happened to you multiple times. But to be like, wait, I'm just inherently going to get penalized basically or put into a box because that's what you think of humans. I don't know, something about that just like came up this morning to sit with it of, I don't know, maybe it's like how I conduct myself, but I was so distraught in that moment. Like the fact, I remember just sobbing in the bathroom that someone could think that low of me, that I wouldn't do things with love and responsibility. And I think even recently, so I closed my Facebook group, which is a very large community of 5,500 people. It's just it's a thriving community. It's beautiful in so many ways. And I was just complete. And it was one of those moments where a lot of people were disappointed. I did it very quickly, but I've been thinking about it for years at different stages, but it almost brought back that thing of like, Oh, people really think that I could do this from this, like on a whim, I don't care about you. I'm just like, abdicating myself of responsibility and so I don't know like maybe that lesson of like I'm always thinking things through even if to other people it doesn't make sense and I think that that being able to like hold yourself in that is like yeah it you might project some stuff on to me as a leader you might assume I'm walking out on a store don't care about my community whatever whatever but like I'm gonna hold myself in that because that's what I do. But yeah, it is a hard thing. Like that moment was so hard for me and my leadership to have someone not trust me. And I feel like the same way with my community right now is like, Oh God, like, yeah, I can, I see how you got here, but no, I actually care more than you think and more than I should most. days. It's interesting because those moments are, are
0: simultaneously sort of a good moment for reflection, I find, right? And being like, okay, is there anything that, like, good time to check in. Is there anything that I communicated without thinking about it? Is there any way I might have like padded this differently so that it didn't cause concern? (laughs) But also very much going back to what you said, I don't know, half an hour ago at this point, right? That like a lot of what you teach people is that what is coming at them from, from others, right? If you run a business, especially on social media, that what's coming at them from others is not about them. Yeah, right that woman's protection. assumption about you was entirely about her perception of the human beings. And it sounds like, you know, well-earned, right. A lot of people had totally. done this to her already. Um, so not without cause, but, but that was not about how you showed up. It was about her lens on the world.
1: Yep. Um, and yeah, And like in leadership you have, like, I've been talking about it a lot because of the Facebook group thing, but if you want to lead a sizable company you want to lead where people's eyes are on you like you you have to be willing to take that those levels of projection and people's disappointment and again it's on to say you don't care but you also don't let it overly run the situation and you know there's definitely people who are like here's how you should have handled it's like okay you do this and you can handle it that way um, but yeah I think it just helps to have those moments and you're like yeah it was uncomfortable and I could have handled it differently slash better and I didn't die and I'm doing what I do. And like, that is leadership. No one's getting it perfect ever.
0: But that's part of what you get to model, right? For your community. That's the fun of it. Yeah. Over and over.
1: Yeah. And like lean into community, lean into support. I had a lot of people supporting me in all of those different times. And I mean, same thing at Geico when I quit, there was Or even transferred back like from San Diego to Houston. They just paid to move me across country. There's a lot of people who won't understand the decisions that are going to project their own stuff. And just, I remember sobbing in my boss's office that time too, when he told me he was just, I don't like disappointing people, but you will disappoint people because people have stuff and they're going to put it on you. And it's okay. That's okay. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. It's painful. It's just, I don't like it. it. I didn't try to disappoint anyone, but people will be disappointed. I've been disappointed in leaders all the time. And you're just like, that's part of what happens. You make hard decisions.
0: You take it and learn from it. Yep. So is there a point, is there a moment that you can point to in your career that really shaped your path where somebody just showed you an unexpected kindness? Like, maybe you were down about something or maybe you're struggling with something and somebody just really showed up for you in a way that you could not have predicted
1: oh gosh okay (laughs) like let me rack my brain I mean one recently that comes to mind it's actually not necessarily business related but one of my coaches and it's you know part of why um I, lo- I have her holding me and, and being in my corner, but I was just going through a really hard personal moment and I had flown into California and she happened to live nearby, but she was like, I'm picking you up at the airport. I'm staying with you tonight. Like we're getting you through this moment. And she's like, if you hadn't been flying to California, I would have flown to you. Like that was the level. And I was just like, ugh. I needed that level of someone just showing up for me in that moment that felt like everything was falling apart. And yeah, and as a result, like I'm making some big shifts and I'm transitioning to her being my full-time coach. And I've been working with my business coach for five years and um, I love her. There's like nothing wrong, but just having two coaches at the time right now has just felt like too much. And I think just knowing this other person who is newer of the two had my back at that level. I'm like, oh yes, you can hold me in all the hard moments to come in my business. So that, that shaped me. I'm sure there's so many in the past, but my memory is (laughs) not the best.
0: Oh, good. No, that's amazing when people can really show up for us in ways that we don't even realize we need.
1: Yeah. I would not have asked for that.
0: Yeah. Okay. So final question. We okay. ask every, every participant, right. You know, from where you are now, you've had this amazing journey. You know, if you went back to tell yourself at the beginning of this, whether that's, you know, when you got off the ship <laughs> and were deciding <laughs> about college or when you were going to the career fair or when you were deciding to leave Geico or anywhere along the way, like, is there anything specific that you think you'd tell yourself from where you are
1: now? Hmm. The first thing that popped into my mind is like it will all make sense. Just keep going. I just think it's so many different points that's so helpful of like yeah, it's not going to make sense in the usually in the short term. Um and I think, you know, having now had so many big life decisions and even you know, coaching people through this and just having humans and friends and whatever. It's like, it, it sometimes won't make sense, but you'll know in the moment you need to do it. Just keep going. Like the dots always connect. It always makes sense at the end of the day. So you won't die. Make the decision, take the leap, do the hard, scary, risky thing. It's always worth it. That's
0: awesome. Well, thank you so much for showing up and sharing part of your story today. I appreciate it. It's great to know all these extra little details Mm -hmm. and uh, I'm, I'm enjoying watching you. So, you know, keep going.
1: (laughs) Here I am next iteration in the works. I'm definitely in one of those massive burn controlled burn, releasing some things next iteration where it's like, you're really leaning on your own leadership to be like, this doesn't make sense. In a lot of ways in the short term, but I just, this is what's right. And I'm going to do it. And the people who get it will come along for the ride. And everyone else on the back end, like, I already know they're going to be like, oh, how did you do it? Wow. <laughs> did it? I'm like, well, luckily for you, I shared the whole thing real time on TikTok, podcast, <laughs> Facebook, wherever. But Um, it is so as a leader, just being able to hold yourself through all the pivots and transitions is the work. So
0: here we are. Awesome. Well, thank Thank you so much for sharing all that with us. That was
1: so good.
0: That's it for today. I hope you enjoyed the show and found something to support you wherever you are on your own journey. Don't forget to subscribe where you listen to your podcasts and head over to itellmyself.com to sign up for updates until next time. Take care.